What? Over? Did you say over? Nothing is over until we decide it is. Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Hell no! Germans? Forget it, he's rolling. And it ain't over now. Because when the going gets tough, the tough get going. Who's with me? Let's go! Come on! Fan Junkies Radio invites you to sit back, relax, turn the TV volume down, and turn your computer volume up for another edition of Frat House Saturday. Now, here's Frat House Mike himself, Mike McShane. Good afternoon to you all, and thank you for joining me here on another Frat House Saturday here on Fan Junkies Radio Network. And let me uh, start off by apologizing uh, for the absence of a program last week. It uh, certainly was not uh, uh, for uh, a problem on our end. Uh, In fact, I was actually sitting here broadcasting, thinking that it was going out live, and then I got comments and messages sent to me that, in fact, well, hey, dude, nothing's happening. So, uh, unfortunately, there must have been some sort of a snafu here with our, our, our broadcast platform, Blog Talk Radio. Uh, which prevented us from being able to actually bring you Frat House Saturday last week. And I apologize because that's not the way I do things. I don't miss programs. I don't like missing. I have, hey, take a look at five minutes at the Frat House. Sidekick and I have not missed a single program in 89 weeks. Very, very, very proud of that one. Um, so unfortunately, you did not get a chance to uh, hear last week's five minutes at the Frat House number 88. But hey. Don't let that stop you, because all you have to do, go over to YouTube, type in five minutes at the Frat House number 88. You can find the video, or head on over to our uh, website, frathousesports.net, and you can find it there. And take some time, take a look at that one. Uh, uh, It was quite entertaining. I was really looking forward to bringing that one to you last week. But, uh, hey, I'm here today, and I'm here for you, and I'm here for anything that you might have on your mind with regard to sports, please don't hesitate to give me a holler, 347-237-5373. You can give me a call, and I'd be more than happy to chat with you about anything uh, that uh, you might have on your mind with regard to sports. 347-237-5373. As we usually do, though, let's uh, start it out with, uh, hey, what happened in uh, sports today in uh, history, or today in sports history takes us back to 1933, and it was on this day in that year that it was announced that the very first Major League Baseball All-Star Game would be played on July 6th of 1933 at Comiskey Park as part of the Chicago uh, World's Fair. That's very, very cool stuff. And you're not going to believe this, but I actually found uh, the box score, a copy of the, a photographic image of the box score of that particular game which as soon as uh, we are done with this uh, broadcast, I will be posting up on our Frat House Sports Facebook page. You're going to want to take a look at that. So make sure you get over to our Facebook page. And uh, to like that page, what you need to do is just type in Frat House Sports, search Frat House Sports. Make sure you're leaving spaces in between all the words uh, because there is a different Frat House Sports out there that is not ours. Uh, uh, So make sure you're leaving spaces in between that. 
And uh, you'll get a chance to actually take a look at that photographic image of that box score. It's going to be very, very cool. So I'll be posting that up uh, shortly uh, once we've concluded with this broadcast. Let's get you up to date with what's going on inside some of the leagues. Uh, perhaps some of the things that happened last night uh, and some of the things that are going to be going on. Well, even even as we speak, uh, we had a hockey game, playoff hockey game last night, and that was between the – there was only one game, and that was between the Pittsburgh uh, Penguins and the Ottawa Senators. Game two of that particular series, Pittsburgh won it 4-3 in that game and uh, took a 2 nothing lead in the series over the Ottawa Senators. Um, you might be saying, well, okay, that's not really all that big a news. I mean, Pittsburgh probably should win that series. Ah, except for the fact everybody's favorite, Sidney Crosby, came away with a hat trick on that one. Three goals of the four that Pittsburgh scored. And so at this point right now, as I pointed out, Pittsburgh leads that series two games to nothing. The same with the L.A. Kings, who right now are leading uh, the San Jose Sharks two games to nothing. The Blackhawks are leading their series against the Detroit Red Wings one game to nothing. And uh, right now, Boston leads uh, in their series against the New York Rangers uh, 1-0. Games that will be upcoming. In fact, one game that should be going on uh, right now. In fact, the puck should be should be dropping uh, momentarily. Will be game two between the uh, Detroit uh, Red Wings and the Chicago Blackhawks. That game uh, can be seen right now on NBC Live. All right, so that's you can catch that game. In fact, I'll be putting that one on here at the frat house momentarily. Uh, another game that will be taking place later on this evening at 9 o'clock. This will be out in the West, and that will be the Los Angeles Kings visiting the San Jose Sharks, and that will be for Game 3 of that particular series. Over in the NBA playoffs, uh, there is only one game remaining, and in fact, that rather interesting. Uh, this is the only series remaining uh, in, in the second round. All of the others concluded... Uh, before any Game 7s. There were no Game 7s in the other series. This one's going to a Game 6, and that is the New York uh, Knicks against the Indiana Pacers. That game will be played this evening. Uh, And another must-win situation for the New York uh, Knicks, uh, who right now find themselves down three games to two in that one. They win that one. Of course, this game is going to be played in Indiana, so they've got themselves a bit of a challenge. Uh, as I'm sure Indiana is going to want to finish this one up. They do not want this getting tied up three games apiece and then having to go back for a a game seven to the New York Knicks. Um, But um, we'll see how that one goes. New York Knicks in a must-win situation. They were in a must-win situation uh, the other night, and they won that game by 10 points. So uh, very possible we could see a game seven. It might be our first game seven uh, in the uh, second round. Over in Major League Baseball, we've got games that uh, are either going on right now or will be commencing very shortly, and that will be the Seattle Mariners are playing at the Cleveland Indians. The New York Mets will be playing at the Chicago Cubs. These are all 1 o'clock games. And the Toronto Blue Jays will be playing at the New York Yankees. Yeah, those New York Yankees. How about them, huh? I've I've, I've marveled at those Yankees. They're a game in front right now of the Boston Red Sox. Who'd have thunk this? 26-16, and 7-3 and three in their last 10. This is one, as I've pointed out before, this is just one duct tape team put together and, and making quite a run at, uh, at it. Uh, rather surprisingly, I really, really thought it was going to be Toronto or Baltimore up near the top. Right now, Baltimore is in third place, uh, two and a half games out of first. Toronto 
with all of those acquisitions they made in the offseason, nine games right now out of first place. So those will be the games that are upcoming at uh, 1 o'clock. You have two 4 o'clock games, and that will be the uh, Cincinnati Reds are playing in Philadelphia against the Phils. The Phils won that game, their first game uh, in that series last evening. Uh, And then also at 4 o'clock, you've got the uh, Tampa Bay Rays uh, playing in Baltimore. It is, nonetheless, Saturday, and it being a frat house Saturday, things are generally a little more relaxed. And so what I usually do is I get up in the morning, I check all my news sources, and, uh, well, you know, I kind of just sit back a little bit and think about a few things, and generally I come up with a couple of topics that I like to bring up here on this program. One of them, actually, I wanted to bring up last week, and that revolves around, uh, well, collegiate sports and the NCAA, one of my favorite whipping boys. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm a, as I've pointed out numerous times, I'm a big collegiate sports fan. I, I really, really enjoy college football in the fall, and gosh, I love my college basketball in uh, the springtime or, you know, from about January on, I'm, I start following all the college football, or college basketball, rather. But the NCAA itself, um, kind of a, I don't know, I, I, I'm not sure whether I like them or not, I'll be perfectly honest. I put together, uh, I I frequently mention our website, fradhousesports.net. If you've not visited it before, you really should. Because obviously, while it is home to and houses all of our five minutes at the Frat House uh, video productions, uh, we also do have original written content up there from a number of contributors and bloggers that uh, that I've been able to secure over uh, the past year. And I frequently write for it myself. In fact, my my first my first love really is writing. I prefer writing uh, over all other forms of communication. And I wanted to bring this up last week, and that was an article uh, that I put up uh, on the uh, fradhousesports.net page with regard to uh, the NCAA and their own personal finances. And what I did was I went back and I researched numerous public statements public articles that had been published in various sources going back to, oh, about a year ago. And I put them together in a kind of mosaic of economic finance revolving around the NCAA, which, in my opinion, once I was done with it, had me coming back and scratching my head and saying, what's wrong with this picture? If you go over onto fredhousesports.net, you can find the article, which is titled, While NCAA Rolls in Cash, Division I Programs Struggle. And I have all of the different articles and sources that I used for the article cited, so you can actually go to those original articles. And this is the picture that I paint in the article. The first one uh, dates back to an article that I discovered from July 9 of 2012, last year, in which it was reported that NCAA President Mark Emmert would be paid by the NCAA between his base compensation salary and other perks and other benefits, he would be paid somewhere in the area of about $1.6 million. I want you to give that some thought for a moment. Just let that sink in. Mark Emmert. $1.6 million. 
Yeah, we see this guy by what? Uh, maybe three, four times a year, huh? You know, that's about that's about as much as we see Mark Emery. Uh, I want you to also keep in mind that the NCAA is a registered nonprofit organization with the federal IRS. So, nonprofit organization, and the head of it, Mark Emery, making one point six million dollars. An article dated uh, November nineteenth of last year cited down numerous Division One, and I think there were also some Division Two head football coaches' salaries. Leading the list, Alabama's head football coach, Nick Saban, making a annual salary of $5.47 million. Let's not forget, there's also an additional $700,000 bonus included on top of that. That's not part of the $5.47 million. Texas Longhorns uh, football coach, Mac Brown, making $5.3 million. Bob Stutes, Oklahoma head football coach, making $4.55 million. Urban Meyer, Ohio State head football coach, making $4.3 million. Then it was reported, of course, this week. I don't know if you saw the article or the report of it. Mike Krzyzewski, head, fo- uh, head basketball coach for the Duke Blue Devils, will make just short of $10 million this year. So we have a uh, NCAA nonprofit organization that regulates the athletic activities of schools all across the country. Nonprofit organization, head of that making $1.6 million a year. We've got collegiate football coaches making millions and millions and millions of dollars in basketball coaches as well. Third article that I cited was one that came out on May 2nd of this year, in which it was reported that the NCAA last year realized revenue of $872 million. Now, most of that, folks, coming from television contracts. That's where the bulk of that is coming from. So they realized revenue of $872 million. At the same time, they reported expenses of $801 million. Well, if we do some simple arithmetic there, you find out that the NCAA made a profit last year of $71 million. Now, I guess maybe we technically shouldn't be using the word profit because they're a nonprofit. So I'll get politically correct. I'll play their game. We'll call it a surplus. This is an organization that further went on to indicate that they have currently built up in assets. These are unencumbered assets now, folks, of $566 million. I want you to go back and remember, this is a nonprofit organization, $566 million right now sitting in the coffers of the NCAA. And last but not least, I finished it up with an article and a published report that came out on May 8th of this year, in which it was uh, announced, released, that of 288 Division I athletic department programs, only 23 of them made enough money to either break even or show a profit. Only 23. All right? Now, these are Division I programs. These are the creme de la creme programs 
in this country. Which means that 92% of the Division I collegiate athletic programs, and that would include, when I'm talking about the programs, I'm including everything in there. I'm not just talking about the football programs or the basketball programs. We're including in that lacrosse. We're including in that volleyball. We're including in that any collegiate sport whatsoever, male, female, it makes no difference. The athletic departments did not make enough money to cover their own expenses, and in fact, then they went into debt. 92% of the Division I programs in this country. Now, obviously, when we're talking about Division I schools, and as I said, we're talking about the creme de la creme of collegiate schools, we're talking about the big powerhouse kinds of, of schools in this country. We know the ones, the ones that are charging exorbitant amounts of money for tuition and fees to their students and the students' families. Do you think for one second that these schools that are losing money on athletic programs, 92% of them, are just going to carry that red ink over from one year to the next? Heck no. They're going to pass that on to their constituencies. And their constituencies, first and foremost, are their students, their student body, and their student body families. They're not going to carry that red ink. And so while we're sitting around talking about the exorbitant amount of money that is spent on secondary, post-secondary, rather post-secondary education in this country, we have to point to the athletic programs in this country and say, what is wrong with this picture? Why are students having to pay tuition rates that are far outstripping the cost of living and inflation simply so major programs, major schools in this country can have a recruitment device? And make no mistake, that's what this is. Athletics are a, are a recruitment device. And while they're passing along scholarships and giving free rides to athletes for their programs so that they can continue to recruit, they're losing money in the meantime and passing that loss on to students who perhaps maybe are not participating in sports whatsoever but are there to get an education. What is wrong with this picture? I ask. You can check that article out over on frathousesports.net. <clears throat> got one other thing on my mind, but it looks like we've got a call, so let me bring this one in and we'll see if somebody's got something on their mind with regard to perhaps maybe this article or one other. Thanks for joining us here on Frat House Saturday. What's on your mind? I want to bring up today's Preakness Stakes. Go ahead. Today's Preakness Stakes is supposed to be a great, it's supposed to be a great race. Nine horses, and yep. plus you have Orb, who is a favorite to to win this Derby, to win the Stakes, excuse me, and move on to the ultimate test at Belmont Park. And yep. who do you think is going to win today? I think the two. I think, I think it's going to be to me Orb, Golden Sense. It's my lucky day. Oxbow or Governor Charlie. Those are my top five. There you go. And, and you know, I think you're probably. Uh, I don't have the odds right up in front of me, but are you going chalk on that pretty much? I just think that, like, or after the way he did last race, going into the final turn, toward the back of the pack, he just goes up on the side and then goes past over the invasion. And, yep. like, all those horses, Oxbow, Palace Mouth. Palace Mouth was in the head all the way until the final turn. What a race that was. Oh, I agree with you. It was a tremendous race. One of the things that I brought up about horse racing, however, this year, perhaps maybe you can address it for a moment, is it just seems that there has not been the hype with uh, regard to the three big races, even starting with the Kentucky Derby. There just doesn't seem to have been the hype this year 
with regard to these races as there has been in years years past. Uh, would you agree with that? And if so, uh, what do you think the difference is? There, listen, there is always hype whenever you come to the big three races, especially the Belmont Stakes. The Belmont Stakes, you can have history on the line because you have a triple crown winner. Last year, there was so much hype going into the Belmont Stakes. 85,000 were expected on hand to go see, mm-hmm. I'll have another and double, and train a Doug O'Neill. Go get the triple crown since Secretariat in 1978. Sure. a triple crown winner. Oh, I agree with you. I, I agree that there was a lot of hype last year, but i got to be honest, I just haven't heard the kind of hype about today's race, the Preakness, as I did last year with the, race, with the Preakness. And that's just an observation on my part. Well, I think like, maybe because like, there's like nine horses compared to all those that, that's That's the point I'm making. And here's the other thing that I found rather interesting. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't see near as many repeat horses in this particular race uh, from the Kentucky Derby. In other words, I believe the only entrant in this race that was also in the Kentucky Derby is Orb. Is that correct? Golden Sense. Okay, you're right. That one. Right. You're right. Golden Sense, Oxbow, and It's My Lucky Day are in. Okay. All right. So, so you do have repeat horses. Okay. Compared to last year, you had Union Rags, a guy yes. that lost the Preakness and the Kentucky Derby. He goes to the offense at the Belmont Park. And he wins the Belmont Stakes. Isn't that yep. something? That was You're absolutely right. I was very excited last year for all three of the races. And for some reason or another this year, I just don't have the same kind of feeling for it. But, listen, I wish you the best of luck with it. Uh, are you putting a bet down on it? I think I'm going to put um, – I think I'll do an exacta. There you go. Okay. All right, my, all right, my friend, I wish you the best. Very good with that. Thanks very much for calling in. Nice stuff there, yeah. I, I mean, you know, hey, the Preakness is, is going on. I, I, I still stand by uh, what I said, though. It, it just doesn't seem that there's the kind of hype for horse racing this year as there has been in the past. I, I, I don't know what to make of it. I, I, I don't know. All right. One other thing that uh, was on my mind, um, uh, interestingly enough, a, l- a little kind of, kind of jockey sort of thing, but I was doing some research on it this morning. Uh, fantasy fantasy sports. Uh, a, a lot of us are into fantasy sports. Uh, I've been doing fantasy uh, football now for, I guess, about five years. Uh, we do a fantasy NASCAR league here uh, at Frat House Sports and at the Frat House, and uh, we've been doing that for about three years. And this year, um, I, I kind of, I, I had been holding off on, on doing this one and that, but I, I I broke down this year and I got involved in a fantasy baseball league. Now I had held off on doing that one because my concern was that it it just I was concerned it was going to be time consuming, that it was going to take up an awful lot of time because obviously baseball is played every single day, and with football it's a little bit easier because well there's only 16, 17 games in a season and then you have the playoffs, and so you're really only having to look at it maybe about you know once a once a week or so. And then you've got the whole week to build up to it, follow the reports, follow the injury reports, et cetera, and make the modifications that you need to to your lineup. But in baseball, you've got to be ready to rock and roll almost every single day. And as I have found out uh, through the course of playing this this year, it has not been as time-consuming as I thought. Uh, you, you know, you have to make some changes, obviously, when some of your players go on the DL. You have to run out. You have to pick some up, et cetera. You have to make some moves. You move things around. You have to take a look at matchups. 
Sometimes guys aren't in your in the lineup that you might have. So you have to be you have to be a little bit aware of it. But by for the most part, it, it, it takes me maybe about at tops maybe ten minutes to to sit and and work up my lineups on a daily basis. So it really doesn't take all that long. But I throw this issue out there, and this is this I found interesting. Fantasy sports, and I was I picked up an article here this morning off of Forbes. Fantasy sports uh, last year brought in $1.1 billion in revenue. We're talking fantasy sports here, folks. $1.1 billion in revenue. All right? Uh, When you think about what fantasy sports has become in this country, in fact, the entire concept of the Red Zone broadcast came about as a result of fantasy sports. You have programs, talk programs on television and on radio that revolve exclusively around chat and talk with regard to fantasy sports only. For gosh sakes, on five minutes at the front house every week, Sidekick, for almost two seasons now, has been doing a couple of minutes of fantasy chat around NASCAR. So even we have become, uh, I, I want to say, a victim of it, but we're perpetrating it. $1.1 billion in revenue. It is estimated that within the next five years, fantasy sports will be a $1.7 billion business uh, in the next four years. Interestingly enough, 75% of those that are involved in fantasy sports are men. Only 25% of the market are women. Now, I've got friends of mine out there who are either into fantasy sports or sometimes they're not into fantasy sports. Uh, And a lot of those that are not into it indicate that they won't do it because of the whole concept of split affinities. They do not want to have to be in a position where they perhaps have to root against a player on their team or perhaps maybe their entire team. I've got friends of mine that play fantasy sports that refuse to play certain players off of other teams because they are a, a a deep, deep rival of perhaps their own favorite team. So they won't even play any players on their fantasy team. And, and I understand the whole concept of split affinities, and I find it does happen on occasion, particularly on Sundays during football season, where perhaps maybe you've got somebody on your team Maybe uh, maybe you've got the defense of a team that is playing against your own favorite team. And then you've got a real issue because, you know, obviously you want to win your game, and yet you've got the defense that's working against your own home team. But even when those kinds of conflicts arise and develop, I nonetheless feel that fantasy sports, for me anyhow, makes games that I wouldn't generally watch or be interested in, more interested in. I frequently find, because of the fact that I am involved in a baseball fantasy league this year, I find myself tuning into a lot more baseball games than I would normally. The same is true in the NFL. Well, here at the frat house, we watch practically every single game anyhow during football season, but we'll even watch the dog games simply because perhaps maybe a couple of us have interests in those games with regard to our fantasy team. 
Fantasy sports, I throw it out there to you. Do you have any issue with fantasy sports? Do you play fantasy sports? Are you like some of my friends that, in fact, perhaps maybe absolutely won't play certain players or, or draft certain players on your fantasy sports teams? Uh, do you have a real problem with it? Or, hey, like me, sometimes do you just not give a darn? I mean, I, 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 to me, I go out, if I'm playing fantasy sports, I'm going to play to win. That's what I do. I play to win, and so therefore, if I've got to make some tough choices and i got to put a defense on that's going to be going up against my team, I'm going to pick the very best that I can find out there, and that's how I play it. So I throw those things out to you. 347-237-5373. Give me a holler here with anything on your sports. If you want to chat NCAA, if you want to chat fantasy sports, if you want to chat NHL, Major League Baseball, NBA playoffs, whatever. NASCAR tonight, too, folks. Big, big all-star race. Does not count in the points during Sprint, Sprint Cup. But I'll tell you something. Having watched this race for numerous years now, this is one of the more exciting races you'll ever see. And, you know, we talk about exhibition sports in uh, in all of our different sports and how, you know, lukewarm those exhibition sports can be. You know, I'm thinking right now as I'm saying that, I'm thinking about that horrible thing called a Pro Bowl that the NFL does at the end of the season. Uh but I'll tell you, for an uh, exhibition race in motorsports, oh, man alive. The all-star race is absolutely incredible down at the mile-and-a-half oval in Charlotte. So that will be covered live on Fox at 7 p.m. this evening. Uh, if you've never watched motorsports or stock car racing, this is the one you want to try it out on because this one is very, very exciting. Okay, let me uh, get to the real reason for why we have Frat House Saturday, and that is to bring you the audio rebroadcast of this week's five minutes at the Frat House this week. It is number 89, and as I pointed out, Sidekick and I are doing this now for 89 straight weeks, heading into number 90. And uh, what you can do, uh, I'm bringing you the audio side, as I pointed out so many times before. Please keep in mind it is a video production. Sometimes you lose some things. Sometimes you don't get everything in the audio rebroadcast because, in fact, it's a video. There are things that are going on. There are things happening between Sidekick and I. There are graphics that go on behind us. So you're going to want to get out and take a look at it. And the best thing to do, go out to YouTube because it is housed all of our videos, all 119 of them now. I think it's about 119, almost 120 of them are housed over on YouTube, just type in five minutes at the Frat House and you'll get all 89 episodes of five minutes at the Frat House, plus numerous, numerous, numerous other short videos that we have produced over the past uh, almost two years. You can go there or you can go to frathouseports.net, as I pointed out. The uh, audio runs for about 40 minutes, a little bit less than 40 minutes this week, uh, and I will be back on with you after that, to bring you up to date on some Major League Baseball scores and to take any phone calls or anything that might be on your mind, and I'll stick around with you as long as you care to participate. And so I'd be more than happy to take your calls once uh, we are finished with the audio rebroadcast of this week's show. So let me bring to you right now, this week's, Five Minutes of Pride House, number 89. Alrighty, thanks once again for uh, looking us up here at five minutes at the Frat House. 
with Fred House Mike and Sidekick. Guys, we embark on our 89th straight week here on the most consistent sports rap program on the Internet. And we got to get into it right away uh, because I know, Sidekick, you just can't wait to get to that NHL update. So I want to move things can't along. Wait. I want to move things NHL. along. Right away, I hope you, you know, you're following the show over here, the, the, the game we got on over here. I can oh, see yeah. you looking up there every once in a while. Hey, let's start it out right away over with uh, motorsports, as we always do. And we had kind of a makeup race in NHRA uh, that we'll take a look at. Uh, down yeah. in Atlanta at the Summit Equipment Southern Nationals, which uh, uh, was uh, taking place uh, last weekend. Uh, and, and what happened there was, of course, it was rained out from the week before. Uh, and so they made up all the action on Friday and Saturday. And in what has been kind of a topsy-turvy season for funny cars, uh, this week, uh, this week's flavor, well, that was Johnny Gray uh, beating Matt Hagen in the final round on Saturday, uh, topping out at over 314 miles per hour in just over four seconds. And that's just the funny car division. How did other things get affected? on the NHRA leaderboard. Uh, well, wait till you see how close things have gotten uh, in these division standings. Uh, over in the top fuel dragster division, it continues to be Tony Schumacher at the top over Antron Brown, only five points. Thanks to, thanks to Brown's win this weekend. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, despite uh, Johnny Gray's victory, Cruz Pedregon still holds on to that first spot, just 13 points ahead of Matt Hagen, but then Johnny Gray, now right now, is in third. In pro stock, well, it's still Mike Edwards. But, whoa, <laughs> this division is the one that seems to be running away with it all. Uh, and kind of a reverse of what we have seen in seasons past, Edwards holds the top spot by 126 points over Jake Coughlin. He's running away with that one. He sure is. Well, at least for the moment. Now, we've seen that kind of thing happen in years past and seasons past where things start to tighten up a little bit later. But what's interesting to me is this is kind of a reverse. Normally, it's pro stock that always is kind of nip and tuck. In the other two, there's somebody running away. But in the other two divisions, no, not, not at all. This weekend, we head out to the heartland of the country to, well, appropriately named, Heartland Park, Topeka, to the Kansas Nationals. And, uh, well, we'll bring you those results uh, on that one uh, next week at this time. Uh, let's go take a look at stock car and sidekick. NASCAR took us down to uh, Darlington last Saturday yep, night. The Lady in Black. Yep, for a long 367 lap race, albeit it was a fast one with average speed, speeds of 141 miles per hour. And while it certainly appears that it could have, well, perhaps maybe should have been, Kyle Busch's race to win, having led 265 of those laps, in the end it was Matt Kenseth. And, uh, well, the sidekick, Matt Kenseth, seems to have become this year's Greg Biffle. I mean, for as many times, it seems like every week we're bringing up Matt Kenseth's name. In the end, it was Kenseth that uh, tamed Darlington this year. Yep. Uh, the remaining top five included, hey, hey, how about Denny Hamlin? Denny Hamlin place, came yeah. in second. Jeff Gordon in third. Jimmy Johnson in fourth. Kevin Harvick came in fifth. Kyle Busch. Uh, ended up in sixth after uh, 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 another run-in with Casey Kane in lap 335. Um, and uh, something's cooly along here. <laughs> uh, Stuart, a great uh, job. Going backwards, isn't you? All right. Leader, leader this week 
not too many. Uh, Jimmy Johnson stays at number one. Carl Edwards continues yeah. to stay at number two. But now Matt Kenseth takes up. over at number three, at the number three spot. And that subsequently moved Dale Jr. Mm-hmm. down to four and Clint Boyer down to five. So there's where the leaderboard stands at this point right now. Yep. Um, the, the biggest uh, losers of the week yes. were Paul Menard, who was in the top ten. Okay. He's now out of the top ten. Right. Uh, and Greg Biffle dropped two spots. Where's Biffle standing at this point Biffle now? Biffle is somewhere down in the team. He's down there. Okay. Um, and then the biggest movers, <laughs> I mean, surprise, surprise, Denny Hamlin up four spots. Yeah. But, of course, we would expect that now that he's back in racing again, mm-hmm. that free fall that he had going is going to end, and then Juan Pablo Montoya was up there. Interesting conversation they were having prior to the race last week on Fox was, you know, mathematically, what does Hamlin have to do? It seems it seems a monstrous task in order to make the chase. Yeah. But, in fact, mathematically, it is doable. And with, with, with performances like we saw him turn here, if he were able to pull a couple more of those, it would yeah. seem to me he's right back I, in, the, in the shake of things. You know, I'm not... Like you said, it's, he's not mathematically eliminated. Right. And I think it is, we've seen Danny Hamlin run well before. Right. It was just last year or the year before where he was very dominant. Right. Um, so I think it's within uh, Danny Hamlin's ability mm-hmm. to get back into the chase. Yep. Or at least get a wild card spot and get, you know, earn his way into the chase. I think one of the things they said that they're so. gonna, he's going to have to do is probably win, too. Yeah, he's going to have to get some things. wins or, or string together a lot but, of... I mean, starting out the first place. week with a, with, a, with, a, with a top two finish yeah. is not, not bad at all. Um, but how about this one? No off-track dramas uh, this week that we can talk about. Uh, I guess that's a good thing because we get a packed show. But no off-track dramas yep. this week uh, in NASCAR, with maybe perhaps the exception of Casey Kane just throwing some barbs over uh, Kyle Busch's way. Um, but in the absence of any controversial fodder, let's go over and take a look at our Frat House Sports NASCAR Fantasy Leaderboard. Uh, and while I had a very good race uh, with three of my top uh, drivers running in the top five for almost all of the race, uh, it wasn't enough to put me on the board. And, uh, well, Team Blood Pack there dropped. You're dropping again, dude. Yeah, I dropped uh, again. So. <sighs> Listen, well, that, you know why? Because I, I took my own advice, and I took... Kenseth off my roster, and I put Biffle on. Yes, he was whining about this. I just yeah. want everybody to know he was whining about this pre-show. All right? I goofed. Definitely I goofed. He did goof. Yeah, so yep. Yes, he did. Listen, we're going to take a break from fantasy, which means no fantasy updates yep. this week. As Well, yes, we do have a race, but it's an exhibition race, and it's Delta an exciting yep. one. I mean, make no mistake about it. It's an exciting race. Um uh, down at Charlotte Motor Speedway, we've got the Sprint Cup All-Star Race on Saturday night, uh, 7.30 Eastern Time on Fox. This is a million-dollar purse. Is that right? Yep. And NASCAR, because they like to keep things different with this race every year, uh, they, they like to tweak it a little bit. A little bit of controversy over how they're working the, the rules on the, is it what do they call it, the showdown? or? Well, no, they, didn't, they didn't really mess with the showdown, but the qualifying for the All-Star Race what they did this year is they went back, they hearkened back to the old days of NASCAR. So qualifying for the all-star race is going to consist of three laps, a mandatory four-tire change, and they're lifting the speed limit on pit road. So there will be, for quali- only for qualifying, mm-hmm. there will be no speed limit on pit road. So you basically can come in there as fast as you want, oh my God. lock up your brakes. Oh, my God. 
you know. And then, uh, and the driver with the lowest overall time will get the pole position for the start of the all-star race. I had read an article, however, there was a bit of a controversy over one of the changes that was made that some people felt was actually allowing the possibility for Danica to get into the all-star race. You didn't see that article, I guess. No, I, I'll have to find that one. I'll if make sure I it had, gets, I'm sure I would have been all over that. Okay, I'll make sure it gets up on the Frat House Facebook page. And there's another reason for you to make sure you get over and like our Frat House Facebook page. I will find that article. I will get it up there. And uh, I'll clarify what exactly I'm talking she, about. She can be in the race next year. Because well, she's she's got, got, she got to earn it, man. Well, she, well, won, she, a she, she won a race. Or no, no, she, what, she, she had the pole. She had the pole, she, she at, had the pole for Daytona. Right. So that next automatically year, she gets has in. earned her way That's in. That's correct. Right. That Thank automatically you. gets her in. Right. Okay. All right. Let's go take a look at Major League Baseball. And it's hard to believe that we are already one quarter of the way through the Major League Baseball season. Uh, and having made that observation, well, let's take a look at uh, the early season division leaders uh, over in the American League. Look in here. The New York Yankees have yep. taken over in the AL East. That AL East, though, very, very competitive. They are just two games in front of the Orioles. Boston, just right behind the Orioles as well. In the Central, the Detroit Tigers stay at the top. Just a half game in front of the hot, hot Cleveland Indians, who are 7-3 and three in their last 10. In the West, the Texas Rangers have put some distance between themselves now and the Oakland A's. Now, seven games ahead of the A's. And the A's are tied with the, uh, the Mariners. Yes, the Mariners, the Mariners, I actually think, are a rather surprising team. And I, I, I look for them, I think, if they, if they stay where they're going, I think they could have a second-half run. Um, in the National League, it's still the cooling Atlanta Braves, just one game ahead of the Washington Nationals. Yep. Your St. Louis Cardinals uh, stay in front in the Central, two-and-a-half games yep. in front of the Cincinnati Reds and in the West. The Giants, just a half game in front of the, whoop, hey, who thought this one? Arizona D-Bucks. Oh, D-Bucks? I thought yep. it was the Rockets. Arizona D-Bucks. Oh, my bad. Uh, okay. A bit earlier this evening, we checked in with our Fred House Sports friend and Philly's analyst, Frank Close from Philadelphia.com. And we had a chance to chat with him uh, about the state of the Phillies and uh, a few other major league baseball issues. And so what we want to do is bring you that chat right now. Frank, thanks so much for being here with us tonight uh, on Five Minutes at the Frat House. We appreciate it. Uh, and, and to get a little bit of, uh, well, quarter season, quarter season MLB chat in. Uh, and that's about where we are. Most teams have played about 40 games, and that kind of signals the quarter mark of the season, which is difficult to believe when you think about it. We're only in mid-May. Um, Looking at Major League Baseball right now, looking at both leagues, both the American League and the National League, um, surprise teams, are there, is there, would you say there's one big surprise team that jumps out to you? And then contrary to that, what would be, say, a, a big disappointment team right now in either league? Well, I think for one surprise team, we can first look at the Boston Red Sox. Uh, off to a great start. I don't think anybody anticipated that just yet. Although, uh, you know, with their uh, recent injuries to their bullpen, I'm not really sure how long they can sustain it. Hopefully they'll be able to add a piece. But, but certainly I would, I would put them among the surprises and, and they're really a neat indication of just what kind of turning the page on some players um, can do can do for a major league franchise. 
Uh, if I have to look for a, um, uh, a disappointment, certainly the, the Los Angeles Angels would have to come to uh, would have to come to mind. Uh, after adding Josh Hamilton, everybody thought that this would they would uh, you know walk their way through the myself included uh, thought they would walk their way through the American League West. Yep. And here they are today at 15 and 25 and uh, 11 games out of first place. So I think that that there we get some surprises and, and some uh, disappointments. Frank, let me uh, go into the Angels for a moment. When does that team sound the alarm? Because, I mean, you're absolutely right. We were talking about this the other night uh, when I was on with Jim Williams on his Touch Ball program, and I was making the comment that they are absolutely the most disappointing team. This was a team that everybody thought, in fact, I had them go into the World Series. When does that team sound the alarm? How much more time do they have? Well, you know, the, the running out. As they, as they learned last year, they could lose the division in April. Because uh, if you remember last year, they had a terrible April, and only then did they start moving on from the Bobby Abreus uh, and, and, and on to the Mike Trouts uh, of the world. And they ended up finishing with 89 wins and just barely missed the playoffs. So uh, I think after they learned last year, April matters a lot. And uh, I think it's time now. Uh, can't let Joe Blanton make another start. Um, you know, his, his, his days were, non- were done two years ago. And uh, uh, here he sits at 0-7 with, with an ERA over 6. Right. Uh, but they have to do something right away. Uh, find a way to disable uh, Blanton or um, uh, they just can't continue. Uh, what about the Yankees, real quick? Uh, since we were talking about uh, surprise teams, I actually have them as my surprise team. Yeah, the Yankees are, are a good one to have as your surprise team. You know, with all the injuries, uh, you know, a lot of people thought they would simply fall apart. I tend to think that the injuries might be helping them a little bit. Um, you know, uh, as we've seen with a lot of franchises, the ones that hang on to their older players, uh, the Alex Rodriguez's of the world, that they they just won't be able to get rid of, of course. No. Uh, but, but getting them out of the way and opening up the opportunities for some others is, is certainly uh, certainly helped, I think, uh, you know, and, and got them out of that little stagnant mode. Let's jump over and take a look at the Philadelphia Phils. Uh, you're the owner and the editor of Philadelphia.com, where you play, pay an awful lot of attention, obviously, to what's going on with that particular team. Halliday, that's been the big story. Uh, number one, how big a blow is this to the Phils? Number two, can they recover? Number three, do we ever see Roy Halliday pitch in a Phils uniform again, or maybe even for anybody? Well, first, how big a blow is it? Uh, I think that actually kind of helps. Uh, another another example when when we went into the year we didn't know exactly what we would get from Roy Halladay, and a lot of people really just felt that he was just old and his days were over. Well, now that we know for sure that something specific is wrong, and it's something that can be fixed, uh, it one uh, gets an ill-performed performing Halliday out of the Phillies rotation. Mm-hmm. And two, it gives somebody else an opportunity to, to step it up a little bit. And three, you know, it kind of settles the matter. Mm-hmm. So uh, nobody is holding their breath anymore wondering what Roy Halliday was going to do. And so far they've had a respectable start from John Pettibone, uh, who's pitching in his absence and probably will just continue to, um, you know, keep – well, he actually came in for John Lennon, but he's clearly going to be um, taking that slot. Yeah. Um, uh, we'll just they'll just ride it as long as they possibly can. Um, as to whether or not he's we've, we've seen the last of Roy Halliday, it sounds like of all the things that that could have happened, this is the best possible scenario for him. Uh, there was actually something physically wrong that they can fix. Now, um, how he how he recovers from that, that's still a little bit uh, you know unclear. But 
if, if the reports are as they say they are, that in six to eight weeks he can start a throwing program, um, you know, the, the doctors seem to think, and, and Roy Halladay himself at his own press conference seemed to think, that this is something that can be fixed and he will get to throw again. And I think that the key words that we heard in the, in the Roy Halladay press conference was that his doctors thought they could set him back two or three years. Mm-hmm. Uh, which certainly two, three years ago he was winning Cy Young Awards. So, right. um, so, uh, so that, that, I think it's good for the Phillies for right now. It's good for Roy Halladay for later. Um, he may, may not get to pitch a little bit this September. We'll see. Uh, but um, it sounds like he'll, have, he'll at least have the opportunity to try to pitch again. And um, what, what we get out of him, uh, we'll see. But it's, it sounds like he's intent on pitching. Mm-hmm. Now. Follow-up question to that. You know, we we know all prof- most professional players are very, uh, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Competitive, and that. And you know, we saw how they start out with his rough start, and then after a couple games, come up and say, "Hey, I'm not feeling well in my arm." Had it looked at, found out he had a bone spur, needing to have a surgery. Do you think he should have spoken up sooner and said, hey, I think something's going on, yeah. instead of kind of keeping it to himself and going through and letting, you know, letting up you know, all these runs, knowing that he wasn't really feeling the way he should feel? Well, I, I think in some ways um, I do believe him when he said uh, he didn't feel pain really at first. Uh, it sounds like it wasn't until that bone – that bone spur kept rubbing against um, um, some of his, his key ligaments, uh, you know, that he really started to feel the pain. So we saw him get off to a little bit of a rough start. Then he had a couple of really decent starts um, against the St. Louis Cardinals, for example. That was that was his best start of the season. So you start to ask yourself, well, did he turn the corner? And it wasn't until after that that he started feeling a little bit of pain. So he only tried a couple starts with the pain. Um, athletes feel pain all the time. Uh, you know, I, I don't think he was ready to just, uh, you know, um, let, let pain um, keep him from starting at least a little bit uh, until he wasn't. it was clear he wasn't helping the team. But he did say he started feeling that pain in his start against Pittsburgh Pirates, where he pitched pretty well. So uh, in his mind, he might not have thought, felt that it was it was anything uh, that wrong. And certainly when he, when he uh, was lit up against the Miami Marlins, we, you know, giving up nine runs, we knew that was it. Yep. And he knew that was it. Yep. This team overall, Frank, just the way I describe it, it just seems to be slogging along. And a very uninspiring type of baseball for fans to watch. In fact, it's actually difficult. Um, and you, for fans, we, this is not what we're used to. Uh, is there going to be anything that's going to turn this around, or is what we're seeing, this is it? Well, one interesting thing that, 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 I, that I think goes unnoticed is the Phillies lead the league in quality starts from their pitchers, which sounds kind of outrageous considering we saw Roy Halladay get lit up like we saw him get lit up uh, this season. We also have had some rough starts from the one and six Cole Hamels. Um, I, you know, I have to think that the, that Cole Hamels will get straightened out. Uh, earlier today, uh, Charlie Emanuel said Cole Hamels is trying too hard, yeah. and then that might be. He's not going to be a uh, one and six pitcher all season. I, I think that's that's pretty certain. What is very uncertain is the Phillies' offense. Yeah, that's they seem to be reaching for any possible yeah. uh, improvements that they can. Uh, playing John Mayberry over Ben Revere, 
there might be a little bit of sign of desperation. Now, earlier in the season, people thought, well, you know, when Carlos Ruiz gets back, when Delman Young joins the team, it'll get a little bit better. But it's, it's really not. Uh, so I think that they're probably going to have to look in, internally to, to try to, to boost the offense a little bit. Right. Uh, we could be seeing Darren Ruff soon, uh, who's yeah. doing a good job at AAA Lehigh Valley. Uh, a lot of power and is playing a respectable outfield now. And keep in mind, they said it was his outfield play that, that he was the reason he started in the minors to begin with. Uh, but he's somebody clearly they could turn to first for some offense. And um, who knows? Uh, we, we, see, we see veteran major league players go you pick up off the scrap heap and make an offensive contribution all the time, including this year with like a Vernon Wells, for example. Uh, so I thought, so there might be somebody out there that Phillies can plug in that will give them a little bit of offense, but it's the offense that's going to make all the difference. Cause You're let's not- face it, Jimmy Rollins, Ryan Howard and Chase Utley, even though they've been contributing some, it's definitely not what they used to. Yeah. You're not kidding. I, I mean, really when it comes right down to it, the fans I think would accept this team a whole heck of a lot more if we saw some offensive production. We would accept bad outings from Cole Hamels. But right now, our two best hitters are Chase Utley, <laughs> who just that one, and Mike Young, who's doing nothing but getting singles. That's it. And not really playing a very good defensive third base. Let's, let's call it what it is. This team needs offense someplace, and I think that's the only thing that's going to save them at this point. Yeah, the problem is where do you, where do you, where do you stick it? I mean, it uh, used to be that... Uh, the, and I will point out, too, that, that the Phillies have 14, 14 of the last Phillies home runs were solo home runs. Right. They, they lost people getting on base ahead of them. You know, say what you will about, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not saying that Jason Worth and Shane Victorino should have been re-signed, but in their glory years, those guys were getting on base yep. and the other guys were driving them in. Now, it seems like it's solo home run or nothing. All right. Well, I'll tell you one place the Phillies fans are going to want to stick it if they don't get this team turned around. Yeah. Well, everybody. Yeah, and I'll leave that for you know yeah, for, for imagination. imagination. Yeah. Well, everybody's screaming for Charlie's head, and frankly, I don't view this as Charlie's problem. I frankly put more of the blame at this at the feet of the general manager, but that's just me personally. So I, everybody's going to have their different perspective on it. And keep in mind, too, that the Phillies aren't really that far out of it. I know. That's the whole thing that's crazy about the thing is that we're talking about it like as if, you know, they're dead in the water, and yet what? Right now I think they're only, what, four games out of first place? Well, they're three games under five hundred and three and a half out of first place. There you go. And meanwhile, the Atlanta Braves, who once started the season 12-1, and one, have been cool. 10 and 17 cents. Correct. Very cool. So, yep. Yep. We have uh, the Washington Nationals two games over 500, so nobody really is is doing much of anything. So it's possible that the Phillies could get hot, and next thing you know, that, that they can be slightly more mediocre than the others. But um, but they're certainly not out of it. That's that's the that's the kicker that's at the all. Crazy part of it. Exactly right. Exactly right. Frank, thanks for being with us here tonight. Uh, we'll get you back. Uh, I guess just about the halfway part. And uh, I'll see you tomorrow on the radio show, huh? Yep. Thank you, Mike. Uh, I appreciate, appreciate it. Frank. Thanks very much. Take care. Have a good one. All right, there. And many, many thanks to our friend Frank Close uh, for being with us uh, this evening and bringing us all of his terrific baseball insights. Really like love having uh, Frank with us. It's time again for Frat House Mike's Screwball Stories. It's time for my screwy stories in baseball. Uh, and it, it's going to become 
over, well, I guess maybe the past two years now, kind of become a frat house sports requirement that we must bring you a weekly Miami Marlins and Manny Ramirez screwball story. And so let's keep that regulation in order, uh, and we'll start it off with the Miami Marlins. Uh, many teams uh, frequently uh, team up with Major League Baseball, MLB, to promote their team through the ultimate fan contest. Uh, the Marlins, in their infinite wisdom, uh, thought it would be a good idea to throw their hat in the ring, asking their fans to nominate themselves as the ultimate Marlins fan, uh, awarding them a three-day trip to New York to participate in the MLB fan cave. I suspected something went terribly, terribly wrong. <laughs> Some few public comments <laughs> that were left <laughs> included things like, you guys have fans? There were others that said, you guys have no fans. Do I hide in shame in this cave? Is this cave where Loria and Samson are hiding? Uh, this organization might just be the funniest joke ever. Another great move by the Miami Marlins. Congratulations, guys. Here's my fulfillment of the second part of our regulation. Time for Manny Ramirez. As we know, uh, Ramirez is playing over in Taiwan. And in typical Manny being Manny style, he went for a slide into second base and he missed it by that much. <laughs> the video here is just priceless along with the Taiwanese play-by-play -play announcers who, uh, despite the fact that we have no idea what they're saying, we cannot understand them. Nonetheless, you can hear their sense of humor as they laugh uh, at Manny's attempt. I believe it was something paraphrased about Many teams across baseball, in fact, uh, many teams across all of sports, will run a major annual charity event. The struggling Houston Astros, uh, which many have described as a double-A team, are no different. Uh, for many seasons now, the Houston Astros' wives have gotten together to run their Black Ties and Baseball Caps Gala, which has raised money for the Houston Area Women's Center. Well, not this year. This year, it was canceled. Well, not exactly canceled. According to the Houston Astros Vice President of Community Relations, who was quoted as saying, there was no event canceled because there was no event planned, because the wives group no longer had any wives in it. Sounds like maybe they should move to Utah and become the Utah Astros. There's plenty of wives floating around there. Oh, my goodness. That is a bit of a... They've said that Houston's in a youth movement, you know, and maybe there's indication of that right there. But 
<clears throat> it's been rumored wow. since uh, spring training that New York Mets manager uh, Terry Collins uh, might be on a very short, hot seat. And hard to believe uh, that seat may have just gotten a bit hotter this week when manager of the NL East's fourth-place team, uh, a rebuilding team nonetheless, responded to the vocal and outspoken New York fans uh, who consistently question every move the manager has made. He responded the other day, I don't answer the fans. They don't play this game. They have no idea what goes on. They have no idea uh, what goes uh, on in, in there. They have absolutely no idea what it means to be a professional teammate at this level. Well, you know, i got to be honest with you. I might agree with, you know, in some parts with Collins' comments, and it seems he has a right to express his displeasure with the constant fan pressure. Uh, but it seems to me that, that Terry needs to kind of realize that, dude, you're in New York, okay? Is this a smart move to be making these comments? I mean, it kind of goes with the territory. And there might have been a, a, a slightly better way to couch your sentiment. Um, you have to ask me nicely. Somebody should have asked them nicely. I mean, I don't know if that's the smartest way to go about it. I don't think that that exactly reveres you to the fans anymore. Okay, there you have it. There's uh, this week's screwy baseball stories. But listen, but before we leave baseball, uh, let's go take a look at our Frat House Sports Facebook post of the week which, as uh, usual, was the most viewed post of the week. And it was a Today in Sports History post that I put up the other day about the one and only day in 1977 that Atlanta Braves uh, owner Ted Turner took over the team as manager before MLB Brass stepped in and put an end to that uh, quite quickly, stating that anyone holding stock in a club may not also serve as its manager. All right, and that was our most viewed post. It's actually a fascinating historical little story. Ted Turner actually thought he was going to run that team, you know, for the remainder of that season and maybe into the future. <laughs> um, he, he actually believed that. And he had some terrific, terrific comments coming back at Major League Baseball, which it, it, go to the Frat House Sports Facebook page, there's the like, and then you can see what those comments were. They were hysterical at the time. All right, there you have it. There's our post for this week. Keep the post coming and keep the comments coming over at Frat House Sports on our Facebook. Alright, sidekick. Uh, Round ball update time. Yep, NBA we're in the second round now of the playoffs yep. and in fact we're finishing up the second round. In fact yep. many series are already done, so give us the update on yep. round ball. Well, last year, sweethearts, the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder <laughs> have exited the playoffs this year ousted by the by Memphis four games to one can you imagine this I I brought this up so so many places so many times Memphis Grizzlies they were the number five seed look at what they are doing they're I just, the they are certainly the Cinderellas you got to give them you got to give them a tip of that they knocked off the number one and then we got uh, Golden State and Sacramento or San Antonio, I'm sorry. Right. San Antonio. Uh, game six is tonight, and if necessary, a game seven will be played Sunday at 3:30 on ABC. And Golden State is leading that three. Uh, games San to- or San Antonio is up three-two. Or did I get it backwards? Uh, you're right, San Antonio. You're right, San Antonio is leading it 3-2. Okay. It's as you would call it an elimination game. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have enough time to go into all that. 
We'll bring that up next week. What is an elimination game? We'll get into that conversation next week. Um, the Bulls have exited the playoffs. Yes. Just too hot in the kitchen. Uh, the Heat eliminated them four games to one. Yep. And we have the uh, Knicks and the Pacers. Uh, Pacers are up three to one. Yeah. Game five tonight. Uh, game six, if necessary, on Saturday at 8 p.m. on ESPN. And a game seven on Monday at 8 p.m. on TNT, if necessary. If necessary, because make no mistake, right now the Indiana Pacers are leading that series three games to one. That's the number three seed against the number two. A little bit surprising there um, that the Knicks are down. But there you have it. And now I'm going to take a nap because it's NHL update time. Well, just for a couple seconds, uh, listen, the second round of the NHL. (laughs) I'm not going to be on it that long, dude. There aren't that many games left. The second round of the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs have just gotten underway with two games uh, scheduled for this evening. And so let's take a look at uh, where the current four series are. There's only four series uh, going at this point right now. Stand at the minute in the West. The number one Chicago Blackhawks are up 1-0 in their series over the number seven Detroit Red Wings. The number five, Los Angeles Kings, lead one nothing over the number six, uh, San Jose Sharks. Over in the east, the number one, Pittsburgh Penguins, are up one nothing, currently over the number seven, Ottawa Senators. And uh, the series between the number four, Boston Bruins, and number six, New York Rangers, getting underway this evening, and that's the game we have up over here just above my shoulder. All right. All right, and there we go. That's our show for this week, complete with all kinds of stuff and guest appearances and everything else that you can yep. imagine. That's 89 in the books. We'll be coming back at you for number 90. But before we do that, let's run around real quick and around make sure that you help us out by enjoying all of the people that help us out. Huh? How about that? Uh, fan Junkies. FanJunkies.net. Social media for sports nuts like you and I. Get over there. Sign up. Completely free. FanJunkies.net. Jonathan and I, oh, we're at our 103rd show, 103rd show, so we've broken the 100 mark, Fan Junkies Radio, over on Blog Talk Radio, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, uh, of course, we got our, we got a whole network of programs, we got Sports Blogger Radio with my buddies John and Scott up there in Boston, they come on on Thursday afternoons at 12 noon on Fan Junkies Radio Network, and of course, then my Fred House Saturdays on Saturdays at 1 p.m., Eastern Time. So, Fan Junkies Radio over on Blog Talk Radio. Make sure you check that one out. Our buddies down in uh, the Baltimore, D.C. area, uh, HerbFM.com. Check them out as well. They rebroadcast our programs here, and they also rebroadcast some of the Fan Junkies programs, and we appreciate that. Thanks very much, Chris. We're trying to help you out as much as possible. Get over there to HerbFM.com. CLW83, Jim Williams, Carl, and uh, D.C. over there at CLW83. I was just on there the other night with their Touch Them All program. Yeah. And great time we have over there. And, of course, they also rebroadcast our Five Minutes at Frat House. And Fandra. it's it's all kind of interconnected. Are you getting the idea here? It's all interconnected. Yep. It's a big family. It is a big, big family, and we want you to be part of it. And last but not least, don't forget FratHouseSports.net, which is where you can find all the videos and also our written sports editorial commentary. All that good stuff that we bring you here vocally, you can get in text version. It's so much fun, isn't it? All right. We're going to be right back here with you next week for uh, number Number 90. 90. Number 90, as we're counting them down ourselves. 
nearer and nearer to number 100. So, you know what you got to do for me? You got to keep us real, you got to keep us black, and you got to keep us gold. We'll see you next week. Take care. Hi, I'm Kylie Fainall of the WIFL. I want to tell all of you about the next generation of women's athletics. The Women's Indoor Football League is the first professional women's organization where the athletes get paid for what they bring to the field. The WIFL is currently holding its first nationwide tryout tour. Don't miss your chance to be a part of professional football history. Go to www.wiflfootball.com to find the tryout closest to you. And don't forget to check out great workout here from Respect the Sweat at RespectTheSweat.com. Thank you very much, Kylie. And, uh, yes, uh, from one of our sponsors there, the new Women's Indoor Football League. Uh, you can check that out over at WIFL.com. All right. Uh, that is a new league that is just getting started, getting going. And tryouts are going on all over the country. In fact, there'll be a tryout here in the Philadelphia region. And uh, just incredible stuff that's going on there. Brand new brand new sports league uh, in, in the works, in the development. So check it out, WIFL.com. Uh, there you have it. That was today. Uh, that was this week's uh, Five Minutes at the Frat House, number uh, 89. Um, and if there's anything on your mind at all, let me throw out the number one more time. It's 347-237. 5373. If there's something you heard in the program you want to chit-chat about, something you want to talk about there, or anything at all that might be on your mind, uh, perhaps maybe something that I brought up earlier in uh, the program here, please do not hesitate to give me a holler. I'll stick around with you for a couple of moments or as long as you guys want to participate. Let's get you up to date with what is happening right now in uh, live, live sports. The uh, NHL hockey game playoff game between the Detroit Red Wings and the Chicago Blackhawks uh, has just been tied uh, at 1-1. That game is in the second period with about 15-50 left in the second period. So that second period just got underway, and the Detroit Red Wings have just scored uh, at the top of the second period to tie that game up. So that game is tied. Over in Major League Baseball, some of those early games that I had reported were going on right now. In the top of the fourth, the Cleveland Indians are uh, in front of the Seattle Mariners, one nothing. Top of the fourth as well, Mets and Cubs stand at 0-0. And in the bottom of the fourth, the New York Yankees right now are beating the Toronto Blue Jays 3-1. to That's in the bottom of the fourth. Wow, wow, wow. I just can't go on enough about the New York Yankees. Just absolutely amazing to me. And there they are, putting it to the Toronto Blue Jays, who I thought was 
going to be at the top of the AL East. Listen, as promised, I brought you that little bit of uh, today in sports at the top of the show, and it uh, revolved around the first uh, Major League Baseball All-Star game, and I said that uh, I had a box score, an actual photographic image of the box score from that game that was played in July. It was announced in 1933 on this date in 1933 that the first Major League Baseball All-Star game would be played on July 6th. The box score, I promised you, would be posted up on our uh, Facebook page, which is Frat House Sports. And while the rebroadcast of five minutes at the Frat House number 89 was playing, I, in fact, uh, did go and post that. So if you want to take a look at that, which is kind of neat, it's the box score from that All-Star game, that first All-Star game that was played in 1933. You can find that over on our Facebook page, Frat House Sports. Make sure you're leaving spaces in between each of the words. You'll find that. Give us a like, and then you can take a look at that uh, little bit of uh, sports memorabilia history. Very, very cool. As I do every week in our five minutes at the Frat House program, let me go around here and throw a couple of shout-outs to all of the folks that help us out. And as you may have heard, it, it really is one big, big family that spreads out all over the place. Uh, and let's start it off first with FanJunkies.net. And, uh, you know, look, this is, as I pointed out, this is Fan Junkies Radio Network, uh, and it all started with FanJunkies.net, where sports meets social networking. Uh, This is a social network site exclusively for sports fans. All right? It's just like Facebook, but you have to be a sports fan. Don't be coming in there and trying to pawn off recipes on us. We're not interested. We want to talk about sports, and that's it. And you've got sports fans over there from all over the country, representing virtually every single team, every single sport interest that you can possibly imagine. Sports, all right? You got soccer, you got uh, baseball, of course, hockey, of course, football, of course. But, I mean, we give, you got MMA, you got, as I pointed out, you got uh, Major League Soccer, you got NASCAR, you got NHRA, you name it. It's represented over at FanJunkies.net. And here's the best part of it, folks. It's completely free to use. All it takes is just a couple of seconds to go over and sign up. It's completely free. And it won't take you, seriously, virtually more than a couple of seconds to sign up. So make sure you get over and give that a look, FanJunkies.net. Our FanJunkies radio network programming. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 12 noon Eastern time, right here, the lunchtime program with Jonathan Regis and myself. Yeah, we've exceeded 100 shows we are going into on Monday. will be our 104th uh, program of Fan Junkies Radio right here. Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 12 o'clock Eastern time, 12 noon Eastern time. Make sure you're checking that out right here on Fan Junkies Radio Network. Sports Blogger Radio on Thursdays at 12 noon as well. Uh, with our buddies Scott and John up there in Boston, bringing you all of the latest on Boston sports. So you want to be checking that one out as well. Great, great stuff that they bring you. These guys know their Boston sports like nobody else. Sports Blogger Radio right here on Fan Junkies Radio Network, Thursdays at 12 noon. want to give a big, big shout-out and a thanks to uh, our buddies down at clw83.com. Terrific, terrific programming they put on. Um, and many, many thanks to 
Jim Williams, who uh, was on here with me yesterday, co-hosting with me on our regular Fan Junkies radio program on Friday. Uh, but Jim and Carl uh, run that CLW83 programming over there, all original programming. And then, of course, they rebroadcast all of our Fan Junkies radio programs right here on Fan Junkies Radio Network, including this Friday House Saturday. So I thank you guys very, very much. Make sure, everybody, you get over and check out their programming over there on CLW83.com. Like I said, this is like one big family. We're all kind of tied together. And then, of course, I will be back here with you next week. And, you know, I, again, I apologize for the fact I wasn't last week. The, our intentions were to be there. Uh, but so long as everything's good and working right with Blog Talk Radio, I will be here again with you next week for another Frat House Saturday. All right? Make sure you get over to fradhousesports.net. Check out all of our pro, uh, programs and our content over there. Uh, like I made reference to the NCAA article that I wrote up uh, last week, and I'll be putting up more uh, articles and more sports editorial content uh, in the, over the weekend, actually. There'll be new stuff going up there uh, today and tomorrow, so make sure you get over and check everything out over there. And, uh, and then, of course, like I said, our Facebook page as well, Frat House Sports. All right. Big, big family right here at Fan Junkies Radio Network and Frat House Sports and CLW83, everything that's going on. We're all working together. And so what you got to do for us, you got to do one more thing for me, and you know what that is. You got to keep us real, you got to keep us live, and you got to keep us going. I'll catch you next week on another Frat House Saturday. See you then. Maybe you're a 49ers fan in Jacksonville or a Jets fan in Houston, and you're looking to connect with fellow fans from hundreds or thousands of miles away. Look no further than FanJunkies.net. FanJunkies.net is a social networking site dedicated to fans of every team and every league. Connect with baseball, football, basketball, and hockey fans from throughout the country and throughout the world. Get the latest news, take polls, and interact in live chats on game day. And best of all, it's absolutely free to join. Sign up today at FanJunkies.net. FanJunkies.net, where sports meets social networking.